Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Scott Brook, Jenny Early, Soon Chu Choi, Blaine Johnston, Dan Brosnack, all of our Patreon supporters, and you, of course, I'm talking to you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Jeff, we're rolling. We got Arlen Glick. Rock and roll, baby. Arlen Glick is on The Adventure Jogger. What's up, Arlen? How about that? Hi, guys. It's good to be here. So... True story, Arlen. You probably could have been on the Adventure Jogger a year ago. I've been trying to get your contact information, and someone actually <laughs> sent me your family's home phone number. Awesome. And I did not want to like call your family and be like, you know, like like a, like a telemarketer going, "Hey, uh, hi, hi." Uh, so I host this this tertiary running podcast called the Adventure Jogger, and um, I'd like to talk to you about your auto injury. Really want to talk to your son Arlen about uh, running uh, on on a recording, and I felt so I like I couldn't bother your family at dinner time, and so I finally was able to track down an email address, so we were finally able to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, that that's so funny. That would have totally been acceptable for you to call the home phone number. I wouldn't have picked it up, not in a million years. <laughs> but you would have, yeah, it would have been perfectly fine. So if anyone's out there listening and 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 trying to figure out how to get a hold of me, just call my home phone number and <laughs> you you'll get yeah, you'll you'll get in connection with me somehow. Or like my emails is easy to remember as anything, like arlenglick at gmail.com. Like Look at how that. much easier could it get well but now you've just you know much, how much trouble you've created for your life now you're going to be on every <laughs> podcast and everyone's going to be emailing you questions now arlen hey yeah, uh, no, that, that's that's fine that's fine i know how to ignore things i don't i don't need there you but go you know what it's, it's a lot better than being on social media like it's funny you, you would think when i tell people i'm not on social media their response would be you know dude you're missing out but people are like Dude, you are so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, what can't I like take credit for my decision here and not just like figure it was luck? <laughs> well, no, I th- I think everybody looks at you know Arlen Glick has a success as a runner is is making headlines, you know, and you don't have to worry about oh hey I need to go check my Instagram and make sure I got the right filter on my picture so yeah, it gets but, enough likes. But most social media issues are brought on by the user themselves. Well, but what's to I say mean, that, like you Arlen- don't You don't have to read someone's story. You don't have to comment on someone's story. You can scroll right on by and only pick and choose what you want to see and read. I'm just saying, there's no stress in Arlen's life. You seem like, you know, honestly, Arlen, I, I was you know prepping for this interview by watching some interviews of you in the past and you just seem like the most laid back, stress-free guy in the world. Like that alone makes me want to get off social media so I can be more like Arlen Glick. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it has a lot to do with social media, but but yeah, uh, my between my mom and my oldest brother, so yeah. I have, uh, there's nine of us, nine mm-hmm. of us kids in the family. So between my mom and my oldest brother, they do enough worrying for the whole family. There you go. So the rest <laughs> of us can just chill. <laughs> We don't have to. We don't have to concern ourselves with that. <laughs> no, I mean, and I was reading about your childhood, Arlen. You had one of the most interesting childhoods in the world. I mean, thinking about just you know your growing up, traveling all over the country. Like for those that maybe have not heard the Arlen Glick childhood story, can you give everybody kind of a the Reader's Digest version of the amazing childhood of Arlen Glick? Yeah, it was different. What what I think so so interesting is like 
the unlikelihood of coming from my childhood and winding up being a professional athlete. I mean, I grew up without a TV in the home. So like I was never even watching like sports. I mean, yeah. I was like so out of t- and like totally don't regret a minute of it. Like it, it was so I, 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 you know, was so blessed. But yeah, like what we did growing up, like at a, at a very young age, we started singing as a family and like playing instruments and, and whatever. Started traveling a lot because my dad loved to travel. And we ended up getting into we started by singing in the local nursing homes um, and sure. just going and blessing the people there. Because, I mean, who thinks to go? to your local nursing home, you know? Yeah. Um, but we, we, we started doing that and we did that for a while. And then eventually we got into uh, doing prison ministry. We got invited to a few uh, events. Um, so ever since I was seven years old, I've been like, the, I'm the only ultra runner that probably has been in and out of prison his whole life. But anyway, so yeah, and we are still like currently doing that. I mean, we're still doing that. So nice. a very, very interesting backstory. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's take a step back. First of all, everyone wants to know what was Arlen's role in the family band? Oh, you're going to love this one. So it it seems a common theme. Like when you ask an altar runner, how do you get, how do you wind up in altar running? Yeah. The common theme is, well, I couldn't do anything else. (laughs) Right. Like, right. Yeah. (laughs) Lack of talent. Right. So that seems to be the common theme. Like, I don't meet ultra runners that are like, yeah, I was actually half decent at this or that or the other. Like, they're like, no, I was no good at anything else. So I wound up in ultras. Um, so I think it's like persistence. But anyway, very much the like in in the family ban, um, I had the least amount of talent. So they therefore they gave me the, they gave me the bass guitar because it's about the only instrument you can't. <laughs> yeah. So there, there you have it. You were the bass player, and did you sang too? What were you? Were you high harmonies? Were you low harmonies? Were you just don't sing very loudly, Arlen? Because you don't want to ruin it for the rest of the family. Yeah, the, the don't sing very loud, Arlen was probably me. <laughs> I, I, I forget which which part I sing, but um, yeah, the the uh, the lack of talent, like you know, my smile made up for the lack of talent. So they were just glad to have me. In fact, they just did their first, I I was over with the craft team on the Madeira Island and they just did their first weekend of prison ministry without me. So the first time in the last, you know, however many 20, 20 odd years um, that they went without me. And so my youngest brother picked up the bass guitar and like learned it. He like, he's talented. So it took me like years to learn that. I said, okay, you're out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And he like in a week picked it up and was like, I'm like, this is great. So wait, are you telling us that Arlen Glick has been kicked out of the family band? I think that's what he said. Um, I haven't been kicked <laughs> out, but I did miss our first miss the first event due to due to due to my running schedule. But uh, I do plan on on being a part of as, as many uh, as many of the the events as I can in the future. You're going to find that your bass guitar is not going to have any strings. You're going to be like, right, this old, yeah. you know, it's just going to no. be like, just, just hold this. It's got no strings and just play it. Cause your brother is way better than you. Now it's, now it's interesting yeah. that he plays bass. A good friend of ours, Mr. Hot Wing Winner, Carrie Long makes custom bass, makes custom bass guitars. We need to He's get our guy. You need to, you need to talk to him. He's a great yeah. guy. Really yeah. great guy. We need to get Arlen a custom yeah. Carrie Long guitar. Yeah. That'd be yeah, really can cool. we do it? Well, I wanted to say something like, how could we make it the ultra ultra running bass guitar? I got it. I got oh. it. You ready? You ready? You ready? Okay, I got it. Arlen Glick, I can make this. I think I can make this happen. I'm like like fifty percent sure I can make this happen. Um, you may not know this because I you don't have a TV and you probably aren't listening to podcasts either. This is the greatest thing. You have no idea how people respond to this at all. Um, but and both Andy Jones Wilkins and myself have both picked you to win Western States this year. Yep. You are our pick to win Western States. I will contact Carrie. I'm going to do it right now. And um, <laughs> I'm going to say if Arlen Glick wins Western States, can you can you give him a free bass guitar? Oh, Oh, see, that'd be a one heck of an now, incentive to win. That ain't a bonus incentive right yeah, there. I'm, I'm going to call him right now. I'm just saying. I usually don't do this in, in, in podcasts, we'll put by him on the way. The, we'll put him on the spot, well, too. You know? I just want to see if he'll pick up Well, here. do it on the air. That way we got it recorded. Sure, yeah, exactly. Well, of course. Exactly. I mean, exactly. we wouldn't have it any other hang way. On, hang on. Get it closer. <clears throat> I hope he picks oh, up. Here we go. He's, I don't think he's going to pick up. Oh. Carrie Long, how are you? 
Jason Rings, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm recording a podcast right now, Carrie, and you're on it. Uh, I'm on it. You're on. You are. It. You're on it. So be nice. Show them the screen. Uh, so, 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 guess who's on this episode of the Adventure Jogger? Jim Shelton. No, Arlen Glick. Who? Arlen Glick. Harlan Glick. I've heard that name. Arlen, not Harlan Glick. Arlen Glick. It might be Harlan. Arlan Glick. I've heard that name too. Yeah. yeah. So, so Arlen. Now you may not know this. Arlen plays the bass in his family's band, and they go yeah. and they do. Yes, they do uh, ministry where they. They sing at nursing homes and they go to prisons and do a prison ministry. Really? Yes. Yeah. So we, he you makes. Never met him? No, you've <laughs> never met Arlen. Stay with us here. Stay with Not us. In prison. Okay. Right. So, so I'm reason why I'm calling is is because we told Arlen that you make custom bass guitars. I do. And I thought, wow. If okay, I would dangle this out for you. Okay, this would be great publicity for Carrie Long bass guitars. All right. If Arlen Glick wins Western States this year, will you give him a Kerry Long bass guitar? Okay, what is Arlen's ultra sign-up score? Um, he took third in Western States last year. Don't, don't tell him that. <laughs> hey, no, man. What? If he wins? If he wins Western States, will you give him a Kerry Long bass guitar? Huh? Yes, he is right. He, yes, he's right we're gonna, there. We're going to get some viewer yeah. help on this, I think. See, okay. You, Can he, he hear me if I say uh, yes, I'm listening? Okay, hang on. What, what, what do you say? He said, oh, he, Arlen, do you want a four or a five string? No, no, no. Uh, it's got to be a five. Yeah. He said he wants a five string is what he said, Kerry. What are his chances of winning? I think we can get a lottery up and get, get, get money for this. Pretty good. Pretty good. Really good. Really, really good. Really good, Kerry. Does it matter how good huh? the chance <laughs> is? Like, he's agreeing if I okay. win. Oh, hang on, hang on, guys. Hang on. <laughs> okay, what, what is it? Okay, Kerry, go. Okay. If he covered the cost of the hardware, that's what's expensive. Like, what are we talking here? One million dollars. Well, my bases sell for about twenty-five hundred dollars. Custom. Okay. Uh, what if I gave you five hundred dollars? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what. And I gave you five hundred dollars. Okay. If we cover, if we can cover the cost. Okay. Sure. I donate all my labor and the bill. Time. There we go. Okay. All right. Just give me, send me, send me the equipment. Send, send me the bill. What do it cost for equipment? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So carry long. Let's see it. Thank you, Carrie. No. I just got my carry long uh, bass guitar Facebook page. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead to plug your page. Carry long bass guitars on Facebook. Okay. All right. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, man. All right. I think we're going to make this happen, Arlen. Just so, so you know. Okay. I, wow. I do have. That, that'll be the first time in Western States history that we have a bass guitar on the on the yeah. line. <laughs> See. <laughs> now, you got rid of Kerry before I could ask him, but I want to know why he was wearing rubber gloves. Well, he's he's staining the guitar. Is that what he was? Yeah, doing? Yeah, he does. Like the like. Just, are you, you don't sure? Have, are you sure? Listen, you don't have Facebook, yeah. Arlen, but I can tell you that that Kerry Long's bass guitars guitar. are absolutely beautiful. They're, They're beautiful. stunning. They're absolutely yeah, stunning. I can't wait to see mine. Yeah, we'll we'll have we'll put it we'll put an A on there for Arlen. It'll be great. It'll be great. We'll we'll make we'll make this happen. But you, you're going to have to come down to to Nashville to pick it up. Is that okay? Can you make that happen? No problem. No okay, problem. this is this is happening, folks. This is happening. Yes. Boy, this this is taking a turn. There we go. This this see? podcast is taking a turn. Um. So now we got that out of the way, Arlen. I wanted to talk to you about just going back just for a minute. So you grow up. Your parents, you're, you're one of nine kids. Your parents have this deep, beautiful, strong faith, a faith that requires action. And, if, and, and, and it seems like, you know, celebrating and, and, and um, taking care of the elderly and going into prisons, that had to be an interesting childhood for you just from the fact of what it taught you about being human and treating others. Yes, yes. I mean, it had a it had a huge impact on my life as a child. Um, I mean, my dad, his him and his dad and, and brother built built a business from the ground up, and like had he had unlimited business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just at the peak of their of their business, like he asked his dad if they if if he would be willing to sell the business, um, right? You know, during the best time, right before the recession, yeah. like. And in and, and me as a, as a, as a, as a probably a, a 10 year old back then, um, 
like that was that was just the normal was like sacrifice like being willing to give up something for others and that that's something that's like so valuable because at the end of the day you can you can live the best best life there is to offer but if you're not investing into others it still leaves you empty um because god created us with the need to be to be needed to be wanted to be you know to to enrich others lives and like i was taught that from a very young age like the importance of being willing to sacrifice for for your beliefs and what you do um and that's why even in my professional life i felt like god was asking me to give up social media even if it was even if it costed me a career like i was willing to give that up and i didn't know until just last year if it would ever even like happen if it, if it was possible can you be a professional athlete and not have social media um but here we are like I yeah, think, I think you are. So yeah, well, so far so good, Arlen. I was just gonna say, uh, so far so good. But that really must have had an impact on you. And and so many the lessons are so often taught, Arlen, that you know, oh, oh, serve others and that sort of thing. But your parents kind of forced you. I don't know if the force is the, isn't the right word. But your parents demonstrated to you what true service was and and taught you service by doing service to others right. and you were serving the forgotten you were serving the forgotten elderly in nursing homes where people they go in there and that's where they die and family members forget them and they move on and life is too busy for these people who have 90 you know such years of experience of life who've just witnessed so many beautiful things and just have so many stories to tell and to just go into those people and say you're valuable you're worth something and here's something i'm going i'm going to serve you and i'm going to to give you just a little piece of my time it's just it's it's so beautiful yeah yeah it was it was it's been a tremendous a tremendous blessing although there was much sacrifice as a, as a young child like never really being able to get established in the biz, business world and never like as a professional athlete like giving up a lot of a lot of the necessities um but it was it was so valuable to instill those values in us and yes like to go to to the the, the most forgotten like this world is so done with people once mm -hmm. they get locked up right like, yes until it's like a friend or a relative of yours that winds up there you just like you don't even know those people exist and like you mentioned the people in the nursing homes like that's where relatives ship their they're uh, elderly to die and in much the same we did uh just back in january we were at the the holman prison in alabama and that's where they do the executions and like we did our first service where we couldn't be with the the inmates in that in that setting because these guys are on death row and they obviously have nothing to lose so they had us set up on the outside of the fence and we did a program for them and it was to the death row inmates like the only way these guys are getting out of this prison is in a box like that's one thing yep. that is for sure um and it was quite quite a privilege to be there and to <laughs> you know to to be able to speak into their life like like nobody else gets to like they are cut off from the world so it's been it's been quite a privilege you know i saw a, a ted talk it was a couple years ago my, i took my daughter she got in all these ted talks and she wanted to go see one in nashville in in person so i took her to one and it was a, a couple that were they were they do an art ministry in prison where they teach death row inmates to paint and to write poetry and to journal and that sort of thing and one of the, they read one of the poems of one of the death row inmates and in that in that poem was a line that has that like cut straight to my soul and i've never forgotten and that line was i am more than the worst five minutes of my life and i was like my god you're right your whole life is defined by the worst five minutes yep. of your life and you are more than that and i was it's like, like it hit like it hit me in the head arlen yes wow that is that is an incredibly powerful quote but yeah you say that and then it's like yeah we go and try to teach these guys of course we're not ministering to all of them on death row like we we know many of them who are on the outside now right and like we had the privilege of impacting their life and like 
keeping them hopefully from making that five minute decision you know those decisions that led them down to those five minutes that were going to define their life so yes greatest life lesson arlen you learned from someone in a nursing home oh greatest life <laughs> oh boy i am flooded with memories i just want to like the, the first thing that comes to my mind is there was an old guy he had what was the disease he had his name was nelson mm -hmm. he had some kind of a lung disease I, I it was lung cancer yeah he, he had lung cancer and i remember every every like every month we would we had a route that we would do like three three serve two or three services every sunday every other sunday or something so once a month we would go back to the same to the same the same nursing home and this this older gentleman he could hardly talk but with all the strength he could say he, he just kept saying don't don't ever smoke he said i i smoked and now i've got lung cancer and don't just don't ever smoke. and every yeah. time we sang there he said the same thing and like it's just something simple and you know something like back when he was a kid that was cool and that was the that thing was the to thing. do whatever mm -hmm. but like you could say that about so many things like never do this never do that but that's just something that was ingrained in my head that he said every time we went there. Well, look, if you would have picked up smoking, you wouldn't be one <laughs> of the lungs you have now. See, when you're when you're 90 yes. and in a nursing home, you're going to say, don't do podcasts. Right. Don't do podcasts. <laughs> don't get into podcasting. <laughs> don't kids. do it. People will call you a sellout. It's horrible. Yep, yep, um, yep. All right. One more question about the ministry, and then I, I want to get into your running. Um, what was the greatest lesson you learned from an inmate? Hmm. Um, or words of wit like, or whatever. What's that? Or words of wit that they had for you or, you know. Yeah. Um, I might want to swing back to this one. Okay. I feel like there, there be, it, it would be, uh, there's a lot that could go into this one. So but you you want to come back to this one later? For a second. Yeah, you want to yeah, finish think, up with this I one? Might. Okay, okay, we'll, go, we'll yeah. go into the running thing. One thing I noticed, Arlen, is you've told your story in a, in a couple of different places, but you didn't. You were not a runner from day one. You got into running much later in life. Not that you're that old. I mean, you're what thirty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, barely thirty. <laughs> right, barely thirty. But you didn't. You weren't always. You weren't a runner in school. You weren't a runner as a child. You picked it up later in life. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was interesting. Like with no aspirations of doing it in a competitive manner or anything it was just like i was the typical hobby jogger like right i didn't even know that the racing community running community trail community i didn't even know that existed the sport of running i thought it was like a hobby so i just like <laughs> went out and started out like probably i think i, I started out wearing some whatever sandals i had because i figured well those are probably the lightest thing i have <laughs> so like just started like just tried to run a mile and eventually i could run it without walking and like just that's that's just like how i started and how old were you when when you started running you know i don't even remember exactly i want to say it was like 18 19 years old sure um i yeah 18 years old arlen glick is going hmm the, the 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 lightest shoe i have is some sandals let me go see if i can run a mile let me slip those on in these sandals and that starts working out for you at what point do you pick up an actual pair of running shoes um, I think a friend of mine who had, had run a marathon, I eventually learned that he, I had known him since I was a kid and he, he, uh, he had run a marathon. And so I figured he probably knew like everything there is to know about running. Like if you ran a marathon, you pretty much like, you're like the fittest person in the world. And so, and he said, he finally said like, what you really need is a pair of ASICs and so i was like oh okay and then when i actually got a pair of sh shoes on i was like wow this is something <laughs> my first pair of running shoes it was like wow this is night and day these are cush <laughs> what have i been missing all my life is these these cushy right. shoes you start racing but you're not racing competitively you're just doing like the local 5k and the local 10k just to have fun right yeah, I mean, I did hobby jogging for a long time before I ever started racing. Um, and then, yeah, I was just like showing up at the local 5K, 10K, um, eventually did a marathon and, and whatever, and then like stumbled into the ultra running scene. So when you ran your first 5K and 10K, were you fast? I mean, were you were you winning these things or were you a middle of the pack? 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy fast or anything. But it is funny. The first race I ever ran, they it was a 10k and it was a trail race. Believe it or not, it was like some friend of mine invited me to this fundraiser and i was like okay i guess i guess i do run so i had never run on trails before and i showed up and they they announced they're like the faster the 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 slower runners get to the back and i saw some guys run up to the front like they wanted to make their and so i'm like well i think i'm probably like average so i started in the middle like in the middle of the pack and there were like 400 people or something (laughs) and we went up this single track and I was like, why are people walking? Like, we just started. <laughs> what are you doing? So I eventually, like, went through the briars up beside the, the runners and eventually worked my way to the front and ended up winning the race. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. It was like, I literally started out in the middle of the pack and then, like, ended up winning the race. But that's how my, that's how little I knew about, like, my talent. Or I love how modest you are. You're like, hmm, okay, slow people are in the back, fast people are in I'll the front. I'll split the difference. You know, I'm just going to go in the middle. Well, let's just see how it goes. And then you end up winning, Boom. winning the darn thing. You progress through the distances like a lot of people. Your first marathon. What, do you remember the race? Uh, yeah, I ran the uh, the Grand Lake Marathon. Um, it's it's a very small little, little marathon out in western Ohio. Um, and yeah, a beautiful little race. Did you win so, that one too? I didn't. I want to say I got like, I don't know, like somewhere around fifth. I can't remember exactly. I, I ran three oh four. Like it wasn't. Oh, it's it horrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ran a three oh four. Like yeah, it's a three oh four. fifth place. You know, Arlen. Most people, if they ran a marathon and ran their first one, three oh four, and then took fifth place, it doesn't matter if there was only five people. In the marathon, people hey. be like, you know, I took fifth place in that marathon. That's, yeah. And they would be, you know, bragging about that for the rest of their lives. Um, did you do a couple more marathons or did you immediately go straight into the ultra world? Yeah. So one year at a time, I did a few more marathons, but I upped the distance one, one, like one leap per year. So the year that I ran my first marathon, the following year I ran my first 50K and then I went to the, the 50 mile and then the 100 mile. And those were all, you know, years, consecutive yeah. years. Um, so, yeah, I had a, I had kind of a steady progression, but along with building in distance, I also was building volume and training. I was building a lot of, I was putting a lot of components together mm-hmm. and, you know, one after the next. At what point, Arlen, did you say to yourself like, ooh, I, ooh, I might be kind of good at this? Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of those moments where, like, we all got to eat eat humble pie, like, plenty of times. Okay, like, I, I can remember in Alaska running this running this little this this little ten k, and I had never run like the mountains of Alaska. Didn't know what what it was like or whatever. We were up there for a vacation, and I can remember thinking, well, when I get on the downhill, maybe I can catch some of these people. You know, they were running pretty fast on the on the climb. Yeah, and when we got to the downhill the really steep downhill part and it's one of these like straight up the mountain and then straight back down yeah and that's when this 10 year old kid passed me was on the downhill and i realized like like, hey this i'm not i'm not like okay at this like that that was one of the not (laughs) the the, i'm i suck at this moments um i think like if you really looked at the at the moment when i realized like i might be half half decent at this i think it was when i ran my first hundred miler um, and I ended up winning the race and I ran like just under 15 hours and like for a, for a first timer, like that's not, that's not too shabby. Not at all. Um, no, Arlen, yeah. for a first timer, that's, that's, some would say that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I still look back at like my nutrition plan in like my mindset going and I'm like, how, how did that work? Why, why in the world? What, how did that work? But, um, I guess I'll never know. No, you know, how is it possible mm-hmm. that he does all these things without the social media gurus weighing in saying, you need this shoe, you need these socks, you need this nutrition, you need this hydration, you need to do this, 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 that this. That is the this. secret to Arlen's success. He doesn't have anybody on Facebook telling him his form is bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Arlen, you're swinging your arms right incorrectly. You know, you could improve if you did this and blah, 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 blah. blah. It's like, oh, stop. One of the things I noticed, Arlen, is first of all, congratulations on Umstead. I mean, you Great ran job. a you ran Great a twelve fifty seven, and and the finish line photos looked like you were basically going out for an easy jog 
for like <laughs> like an easy five mile jog because you look you didn't even break a sweat at Umstead, but but you always look and and you know pre-race interviews, whatever, you're always in such a state of joy and bliss. It doesn't seem like you run, like the fire that fuels Arlen Glick to run these these races and run them fast, it doesn't seem to be competition with others. What is the fuel that, that keeps Arlen running so darn fast? Why do you keep doing these things? What's the fire? What, what is the fire for Arlen Glick? Yeah, yeah, it's funny because the the competitive side of of running, I I think we if I I think I finally analyzed it enough to to be able to say because I used to just say I'm not competitive, like and that's probably why I'm good at 100 miles because like it doesn't screw me up. So, I used to say that, but the more I thought about it, like there is a fire burnt raging like till I get to the finish line. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's something raging in there. And I think what it really is, is my lack of competitiveness from like an emotional standpoint. It all comes in the form of like a logical competitive standpoint. Okay. So like, I know if I do well at Western States, like that's going to be a career changing. You're going to get a bass guitar out of the game. That's the, I mean, come on. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This time it's a whole nother, you know, yeah, I have way more incentive this <laughs> last year. I got nothing. Okay. Like podium. I got nothing. He didn't this even year. get a pick. You didn't get nothing. No guitar pick. No nothing. Like- no, nothing. So, so, uh, I think I, I think I attack it from, from a logical standpoint, which is very, uh, which is very like, a very good way to, to attack it because I'm not being like when I'm going through aid stations, I'm not, you know, sure it's encouraging. It lifts me up, but I'm not letting that control me or get out of hand. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I was so fascinated when I first heard about the fact that people run a hundred miles, I was so fascinated by just the daunting task and I can remember thinking like so this this guy was telling me like, yeah, dude, these people run like 100 miles. This guy I know, he, he ran like 100 miles and he had like this out of body experience and he saw his body down on the trail running and he was up above looking at himself and and like he just kept going, telling him he has to keep going or he's not going to make it. Right. And I remember just like being like spooked, like, <laughs> yeah, first, like people do this and like. And I remember thinking, like, what would happen if I tried that? Like, what would happen to my body? And so I think I approach it from, like, this very curious standpoint where it doesn't really matter, like, whether I'm successful or not. It's it's all about, like, the process and learning. And, like, it is quite a ride. If you can set the competitiveness aside, it is so incredible what happens to your mind and your body when you try to take on a task like this it's just it for some reason it never gets old it just it every time i toe the line it's like i'm a little bit more excited than the time before because i'm a little bit more confident with it like i know the process a little bit better but it's still it's still all brand new all all over again like what you're gonna fight off in your head during your next hundred miler you you've never been there before like no matter how many times you've done it, you still like get brand new experiences. And that's what I think that's what feeds fuels this fire. Wow. What was the brand new experience that you had at Umstead this past month? Yeah, there were a lot of new experiences. Um, I so ever since my injury back in February at Jackpot, February of 22, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sp- pushed my my season off to a bunch of like half decent results but like didn't feel good at any of those um and so umstead was like my tune-up race um but there were some there were some a few things that i really nailed so something i am very conscious about is my downtime and when i tell people this i tell them like listen just maybe with one ear or like turn your head sideways and only like like let it go in one ear and out the other like just observe it but don't try it okay because it's like it it, it could ruin your race okay but like i am very conscious about my downtime so i've i've tried and i've failed and i've tried and i failed but my best was was seven minutes of downtime you know 100 miles seven minutes and i had eight minutes i've had 
I had uh, 25 minutes at, at Havelina. I had 38 minutes at Western States. Like I've been working on this. And I told my crew before, and they're a big part of making this this, uh, sure. this oh, yeah. project. So my goal at Jackpot was three minutes. I said, I would like to cut that in half and get it to three minutes. I ended up with nine minutes and an injury. So it, it didn't go well at Jackpot. When I came to Umstead this year, I told my crew, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'll just say, you know, I'm like, I've... I'm pretty sure I might be able to pee like on the go a couple times here. <laughs> and I'm like, if we get our, our bottles handed I, off properly. You haven't done that? <laughs> and, and I was telling them, if we get the bottles handed off properly and I don't have to stop for that, I, I said, late in the race, I've never, I don't think peeing on the go is going to work. And, and like, I, like we're it's not going to go as planned, but I said, this might be the day I get my three minutes of downtime. Well, at, at the end of Elmstead, I had 21 seconds of downtime. It worked so much better than I thought it would have. Wow. Um, so, like, yeah, it, it, it was kind of a mistake. The 21 seconds was, like, the one time, you know, I had to take a break, and it, let's just say it didn't work out, like, but, but <laughs> only the one time that it didn't work the way I wanted it to. So the other time was a miscommunication where I wound up with, with a double load of, of sodium and I was going to have to consume 1600 milligrams of sodium in one shot. And I, I knew that would, That's... that was not a good idea. So I ended up having to dump my bottle and then I had to refill it at the next ah. aid station. And that was, that accounted for about half of those 21 seconds. This is literally so, running through aid stations. Hey, hold up. Stop, stop, stop. we got to unpack a lot of this. First of all, do you mean 21 seconds Per aid station oh. or the entire race? The entire race. So it was handoff every time. It was constant it was movement. Strictly handoff, never filling a bottle, just handing them off. Yeah. You had 21 seconds of total downtime at Umstead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I made a what, like a 25 minute improvement um, on, on my 2021 finish there. Um, so there was there was more than just that. But I'm so convinced, like, the amount of, like, okay, so the mechanics of my body are, like, back to, like, 90%. They, I was hoping I would get 100% out yeah. of my body on, at Umstead. It was, like, back to 90%. But that little bit that was not working properly, like, keeping that at bay, keeping the body moving, kept that from getting out of hand. Yep. And I'm like so convinced. And like I say, don't try this at home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until you have a lot of experience, don't implement this because you're going to be far better off taking, taking the downtime earlier in the race. That way your body doesn't lock up when you take your first break. But once you have the confidence that you can do the whole thing without your body works so much better if it never stops. But I, I, I disclaimer, your head goes into a trap. <laughs> and if you don't know how to play those head games, you are like so doomed for destruction. <laughs> if you try to implement zero downtime and you're not like you don't like do it in incremental steps, like your head will get in this place that you do not want it to be. So the disclaimer, don't try this at home. Okay, unless you're Arlen Glick, this is the only. This is why Arlen Glick is not coaching people because he's like, listen, this is not going to work for you. Works for me, but it's not going to work for you. Yeah, I was talking with my massage therapist today, and he was saying like, because I was telling him about what I did for nutrition and different things, and and he was talking with people about about my plan, and they're like, well, how does he do his nutrition? And he's like, uh, I don't think you want to know that. Like, <laughs> it's bad information. And like, how does he do? You know, I think they asked about downtime at aid stations. Like, how does he do it? And he's like, ah, that's probably not good information either. No. So, like, I tell people that, but, like, you can you can master it, okay? Like, you can get good at it, but you have to, like, learn it in incremental steps. Yeah. Don't like, go from don't how- from hours at aid stations to trying to get to be Arlen's 20-some seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me, this is, I lost count, but it's like getting close to 20, 100 milers till I finally got it. So, like, just just to bring some perspective. Okay. Arlen, I have to ask. People are going to be mad. I'm sorry if this embarrasses you. I'm sorry, but people are going to yell and scream at me if I don't ask. How do you manage to go on the go? 
<laughs> go, go on the go. I've never heard it put that way. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, this is great. I, I love these these uh, podcasts. You brought you know, it up, Arlen. I'm just saying. You I know. Brought it up. I know. I'm trapped. I'm trapped right here. And I'm going <laughs> to jump off track for a little bit because okay. we had we had we had I had a podcast, you know, a co a co-interview with with uh, Mike Smith. Yes. Now, Mike Smith yes. ran his 200th mm-hmm. at Umstead. Yep. Now, yep. 200, 100 bucks. Yep. At the end of that, they asked, they're like, I'm going to give you guys a chance to ask the other person a question. And I'm like, just like, I cannot wait to ask a question to this guy who has run 200, yeah. 100 bucks. Like, yeah. what question would you ask and like I'm the kind of guy the, the the one thing I wanted to know more than anything else I said which race and how many times was the most you ever had to take a dump during 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> I know Ryan's I know his I know his personally I was there <laughs> <laughs> but that's just like the way I the way I think so so I, I may not go into too many details here but I will say the one the one component that I learned at at Umstead that really, really helped. So I carry handhelds. I, I don't usually do a hydration pack, yeah. which can make this procedure a little difficult. So what I learned is if I drink the bottles soon after I get them, which I can down 40 ounces in one shot, no problem. So I would usually drink both bottles and then I would stuff the one behind my neck in my shirt. Yeah. And then the other one I would stuff in the back of my shorts. Like okay. Just yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. So that, so my hands are free. And then, you know, I'll leave the rest to your imagination. I got but it. But that, that was a very key component to making this successful. Because when I tried it in the past, it just didn't really work well carrying two handhelds. And leave okay. the rest to your imagination. So yeah. everybody's homework assignment is to try the Glick maneuver. Uh, <laughs> the Glick one, maneuver. One water bottle goes into your shirt. In the back, the other one goes into the shorts that leaves your hands free to attempt the glick maneuver. What you need to do. And and, and try as you may. We'll see if you And they do have to, the bottles do have to be empty. So if they're heavy and and bouncing around like that, just doesn't work very good. But if you drink them first, then there you go. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Nutrition. That's how you go on the go. That's how you go on the go. Are the the glick maneuver. Everybody practice the glick maneuver, and you too can cut down on your on your total downtime. Yeah, I can't claim all credit for this. Like I never I never knew it was possible. Um, But like Nick Curry, I was there to witness his twenty four hour American record, and that's where I found out that it was possible. So if you do not like the glick maneuver, um. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> you did. You didn't patent it. Okay, I see. Yes. If you want the patent holder, it's Nick Curry. Nick. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, you you brought up nutrition, and and your your massage therapist doesn't want to tell anybody what your nutrition plan is. So what is this nutrition plan? Oh, can I tell you by the way, uh, Mike Smith, who you talked about, the guy who ran the two hundred one hundreds. Um, interviewed him on the Adventure Jogger um, at, at the recording of this. It hasn't been released yet, but he did. So he told me something about nutrition that I tried at a recent race. Oh yeah, game changer! So many people spend so much money on these fancy hydration drinks, you know, like like Tailwind or Sword or whatever, and it's like it's a lot of money per serving. So what Mike uses, and this is a game changer, folks. This is going to change the game. He uses Milo's sweet tea, which is $3 a gallon at Walmart. Yeah. And it has it has caffeine, it has carbs, it has sugar, it tastes good. It's I cold. used it. It was oh my god, Harlan. I'm telling oh, you. Yeah. This race was the first hot day of the year and it was there's no better thing in your water bottle than a whole bunch of of ice cold sweet tea. It's the best we just nutrition a, hack ever. We just finished a, a backyard event, that 4.166 mile loop type thing yeah. every, every hour. And I think it was like loop three or four. He Ryan gets in the cool. He brings out, brings out this big one gallon jug of Milo sweet iced tea and he unscrews it. And he's like, go, 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 go. <laughs> he goes, you want to hit? I'm like, 
Uh, okay. He's probably backwashing it at that point. Oh, that was good. Uh, that yes. was so good. So that yeah. that was uh, that is if I take nothing. And by the way, Mike has so much wisdom and so much to say. It is. It was like one of my favorite interviews ever. But I, I, I take away nothing else from that beautiful hour and so many minutes conversation. It's the Milo sweet tea. So that was the, the yeah. game. The hack. I. I- I'm Arlen Glick and I endorse this message. So I don't practice the Milo's tea myself very often, Mm -hmm. but I will confess when I'm home and I go for a long run. So I take a credit card with me. So if if you, if anyone wants to rob me, um, (laughs) go go right ahead. I don't have cash on. I don't care. Um, I take, I take my credit card and I stop at the grocery store wherever I'm at and I get, (laughs) I must confess, I get extra sweet tea. Yeah. And that's my fuel. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Arlen Glick is also a sweet tea guy. I, you don't race on sweet tea, though, do you? I haven't, but I might. It, it'd be a lot cheaper. I, I'm yeah, with you on that. It would be a lot cheaper. I, I, I've already thought about what I spend in one day running a hundred miles yep. and it's not that many calories i just figured it up i i consumed five thousand calories for umstead it's not bad yeah but compared to like outback steakhouse like it was a terrible bargain what i paid for those five thousand calories yeah. i mean you could eat i don't know what you could eat you could eat baby angels for the price of what i paid for my nutrition plan <laughs> well what what is it what did you eat at umstead that was so expensive yeah so so i have i have found that doing something different every time seems to be to work very well and not getting tired of the same thing but i found out it all gets all my problems get solved with the morton 320 and I, I'm not paid to say this. Right. I wish I didn't even have to say it, but it just worked too well for me. So at Jackpot, I implemented some of it. And then the, the light, later I got in the race, the more I kept telling my crew, like, hey, a little more Morton. That stuff seems to be working good. Mm-hmm. Um, till Western States came along, I was primarily fueled by Morton. Till Havelina come along, it was still primarily. And for Umstead, it was like 95% fueled by Morton and it was the smoothest race I've ever had with nutrition. So I take like a Morton 320. I was doing it one, twice every loop at Umstead, which was right around six miles. So like sure. between 50, 45 and 50 minutes, you know, a 320. So around 400 calories per hour, like two swallows to two, two, uh, half little, maybe like four ounces of Coke. Um, I, pretty sure it would kill my streak if i i might get a dnf i if i if i tried running a whole hundred miles without coke so i just just as a little you teaser you gotta have it in there i had to, i had to give myself just a little bit of coke but yeah morton happened to be my staple and i keep having coaches tell me like well just enjoy it while it works because it won't someday and i'm like well that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> you know he's uh, arlen's gonna be like my cat so i got these two cats we're talking about nutrition here. Have you ever been described and, as a and, cat, Arlen? And, well, stay with me. Stay with me. So I buy this cat food, this soft cat food, and they're it's, it's a trout, and they're just like, oh, yum! Yeah, they yeah, eat it up. They yeah. eat it up. They eat it up. They're like, and then one day they just went, nope, I'm done with it. They won't eat it. So they moved on to something else. I don't know. So at one point, like your cats, Arlen's going to go. No He's going to move on to something. No else. more Mortons. Yeah, that's that's funny. You say something. You asked if I was a cat, and now you told me the story about the cat. Yeah, and you'll you'll never guess what I ate post Umstead. A cat? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like Chinese a trout. We had that last night, but oh, <laughs> okay, we okay. Stop. <laughs> if you have to edit this out, like that's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah, actually, it just dawned on me. I ate the same thing in twenty one post Umstead. See, in 23. see, yeah. It was trout. Yeah, <laughs> went to Cracker Barrel. I told you there's something love, to this. I, I love going to Cracker Barrel and I, and I ate trout. Yeah, <laughs> how funny! How funny is that? And you thought the old man was crazy. Here, well, see, here's the real question. Now that we know that Arlen Glick likes Cracker Barrel and trout, have you been able to finish that puzzle with the golf tees and only have one left that they leave at the table? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh I can do that with half my brain tied. <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, once we're off the air, I'll have to tell you a story about Cracker Barrel. I would never say it on the phone. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. see if, uh, when we, once I stop play. recording, yeah. I will I will go ahead and we can we can share share that story. Um, Arlen, you have so much joy. And you did every every time you're you you're, you have a smile on your face when you're running. You have a smile on your face in interviews. You have a smile on the face when you're, you know, at at the at the finish line. Where does the joy come from? The trout, other than the trout. <laughs> yeah, it's the trout. The trout in the Mortons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think of the the the, the Bible verse that says uh, to to always be ready for for any man that asks of the hope that lies within you, and like. We all know that like this world is like a pretty dark place. Um, but I think like the hope of of what's after this life, like knowing that I invested my life, the little short 30 years that I had, like thanks to my parents and they, them teaching me that like the importance of investing in things that are beyond this life, not just bettering life, people's lives here, but like the afterlife. And like i would sure want to think that that's that's where it comes from um so that's my mandate is to have an answer for the hope that lies within me and i think yeah i I think so many people like look for that hope because they know that it's going to make this life better but when you only look for the hope to make this life better a lot of times it's so easy so easily you can miss that hope um, so there, there you are. We could all use a little more joy when we run. Oh yeah, and, and spread <laughs> some joy uh, to people. That's that's a great answer, Arlen. Okay, so Western States this year. There's a lot of pressure on you, Arlen. You know, you got Andy well, Jones. Now that, there's a guitar involved. Face guitar on the line. Like, you by just the way, threw like a ton of pressure. Yeah, at me. Carrie Long just told me how much the things cost in yeah. parts. We're gonna have to do a fundraiser because I yeah. can't swing it on my yeah. own. But anyway, we'll take care of that. Don't you worry. The adventure jogger will take care of that. And we'll, we'll, our, our listeners are the best. We'll take care of it. We'll come through. It's, it's more than my Spotify money, people. So just 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 know it's 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 not cheap. Um, so there is a lot of pressure. Not only have I claimed that you're going to win, um, and I've I've said that loud and proud on an episode. So it is out there into the world. Andy Jones Wilkins has also claimed that you're going to win Western States. You are going to get a base a custom made bass guitar out of the deal if you win Western States. All of that pressure, how are you getting ready for Arlen? I mean, this this could be the biggest race of your career. You could be the first runner from the eastern United States to bring the Cougar across the Mississippi yeah. since Mike Morton did it all those years ago. What are your thoughts on Western states <laughs> this year? Oh, I love it. I, I love it when people try to put me in a corner and then they don't know that, like, I can step through the wall. It's, like, so, so fun. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, Western states, like, yeah, of course, like, the, it would be so fun for, like, for craft, for for the people that actually stepped up and believed in me and believed in my cause and, like, said, we don't care if you don't have social media we know that you we know your abilities and we know your the power that you have to influence people so like of course for them like yeah let's bring the cougar home like i i told i we were over on the madeira island and i actually got to meet the the head of craft yeah and i can remember telling him like after i actually met the team telling him like you guys are the real deal like i said i cannot wait and i am just hoping and praying that the body cooperates with me because I cannot wait to get back and race and represent you guys. I hope so bad I can throw up results because I am like so glad about what, you know, them believing in me. And also for like my family and my friends, like that would be awesome. But like for me personally, like, dude, just standing in Auburn and like, or or in, in Olympic Valley and looking up the ski slope and just like, Oh yeah. The experience of Western states is so invigorating. Like top 10 is all I like. I would be thrilled to be top 10 or even like not defined at all by position. If I ran and like at the end of Western states, actually, I should jump ahead the the day after I'm like carrying two suitcases down the stairs and I get to the bottom and I'm like, you know, that's really stupid. I normally am hanging onto the handrail. And here I'm like going downstairs. If you if you've ever ran an ultra, you know going downstairs oh, yeah. is the worst. <laughs> well, and it and it became so apparent that I did 
something wrong out there. And I just did not get get everything out of myself. And even with Hard Rock three weeks later, mm-hmm. like I hope I can leave it all out. There. Like that's that for me, what I want more than anything else is like to get to the end and be like, that's all I had. That's 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 all I had. The body cooperated with me and I was able to push as hard as I wanted. And that's that's all I have. Arlen, you do want you do know that there is a kind of a thing between runners in the Western United States and runners in the Eastern United States. Eastern Eastern United States runners have a chip. We have a chip on our shoulder when it comes to Western states. No one's done it since Mike Morton. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since that cougar has, has crossed the Mississippi. So there is who's going to do it. There's a whole group of runners now that I mean are just. They, they they think about you and they're like, oh, Glick, Glick can do it. That cougar's, that cougar's coming across the Mississippi. <laughs> so it is not only your family. It's Kraft, who, who makes great shirts, by the way. I'm sure you have all the best shirts. Your, your shirt game is on point. Um, but <laughs> but there is, a, do you sense a little bit of that, of, of, of just a community, a larger community, not just the Glick family and, and the community in Ohio where you live, but also just runners from all over the eastern united states behind you yes you know that that is such such a good point because i feel like the the amount of excitement it's it's kind of like i was just just telling my massage therapist today he, he he's he's a a, a a big browns fan okay mm-hmm. i'm not a football fan but he's a, he's a big browns fan and i'm like i was just telling him like you know i said I love to poke fun at people that are that are uh, that are football fans and and say like yeah I'm just so lucky to be from Ohio because like I said you know the Browns fans they are the most loyal people on the planet yeah. right yeah. so like and I think the same goes for ultra running when you don't have and for very good reason okay we all know it's extremely difficult to get sponsored mm-hmm. if you're from the east I mean all all the hype and and whatever that's out there but like geographical prejudice is like just perfectly acceptable and like whatever but i i hate to even discuss this because it's like it's kind of negative even if it's okay. true it's still kind of, it's yeah. like whatever we can talk about better things but it is very difficult to to get the support that an athlete needs and it's extremely difficult to train back here to compete with the people that live at the bottom of a mountain and go run up to the top every day um so we are so disadvantaged but then also, like, when I got to Western States, I mean, when I finished third, there were so many people, like pretty much everyone east of the Mississippi, that were rooting for me because I'm like their, their only hope, right? right? Like, put us on the map is what the entire eastern half of the United States is screaming. Because not only do we not necessarily have opportunity to put someone there because of it's extremely difficult to get sponsorship if you live back here and you like, if you want to do half decent, you need to probably do at least some training in the mountains. And so like, you got to pull your roots up and that's why like everybody just moves West. Like that's just the easy right, thing. Right. But like, of course, like my roots are very deep back here. That's why I haven't like said, you know, I'm moving west. So it's really fun to be with Kraft because they're a Swedish company and they, they had no idea that like they're not supposed to sponsor people from the East half. They probably got bombarded with emails after they announced that I signed with them. Like, like how dare don't you? Don't you know? <laughs> you do not. He's from like, Ohio. <laughs> for crying out loud. from Ohio. Like you do not sign with people like that. You're not allowed to sign. That's just like the, the given here in America. We do not. We do, we do not. Do, right. Anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, it is really fun when you when you like when, when God's given you the talent and 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 I'm I'm lying. I am so aware that I am lining up with people who are so much more talented than myself at Western States. But like that doesn't really matter. Like just having the opportunity that I had last year to make it onto the podium as an unsupported athlete and like just just to be like, hey, I can climb mountains even on a bad day. Uh, like I, I can I can do this. And, and like this this year. Yeah, of course, it's it's going to be fun. Like. I think I'm going to be a lot more prepared. At least it'll be a waste of a ton of money that I that I'm 
I'm going to do when I go out and train, <laughs> when I spend like weeks out there training on course. Um, so like, yeah, there's like, hopefully we can do a lot better, but I like, I want so bad for all of the precious East coasters. And I think it was so apparent, like the amount of excitement from the fans back here, because like even the guy without social media, the unknown runner from Ohio, I've been called even him. Like when I competed at Western States, Dylan Bowman, the first thing he said after I finished the, 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 the race, he's like, dude, your fans dominated the chat. And I'm like, who said I have fans? But I think it was that <laughs> East Coast. I think it was the East Coast rage that was being demonstrated there when we actually put one of our own out there yeah because like why do we have browns fans because we live in ohio and like you you kind of like want to root for the people that feel local to you so there you are there's my you know why you know why that's truth you know why arlen glick's gonna win western states this year because he wants a bass guitar well he's 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 (laughs) america's runner from the east coast here and he's gonna hydrate with milo's sweet iced tea and his nutrition will consist of trout Trout, boy, little pieces of trout while you're running. Tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't forget the quick maneuver. That, now that I know that that cougars like trout, sure. <laughs> um, since, <laughs> since, as you say, I'll be taking bringing the cougar home to swim the Mississippi. The right. first time in 26 years that the cougar gets to swim the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun! And a bass guitar on the line. Man, yeah, you guys are great. A custom made bass guitar. So, but but just just know, Arlen. You're going to have to come back on the adventure jogger. So you just, I mean, you're not getting a bass guitar with just like, in, uh, just an email like, okay, drop it off. Here's my shipping address. Everybody knows free doesn't mean free. Exactly. There's going to be strings attached yeah. to this Arlen, meaning that you're going to have there. to come on the adventure jogger after Western States. Yeah. Okay. Strings attached to the bass guitar. Yeah. I yeah. Get a bass guitar, and I come back on the adventure there jogger. There you go, dude. That's great. I, I like I'll, anytime you want to give a bass guitar away, just call me up. <laughs> You're right. I'll be, I'll, I'm on it. You want two hours? I, like, I'll give it to you. Arlen, <laughs> sure, Arlen it's a five hour drive. Yours. I'm just saying it's a five hour drive. So just just take that into account. Maybe we can oh, meet no halfway. Problem. We can meet halfway or something. We could figure figure something out are, to get. Are to you this. around the Cincinnati area, Western Ohio, or just out of no, curiosity? I'm, I'm the north northeastern northeastern part of ohio all right so yeah yeah, i'm about four hours from cincinnati gotcha that's good it's a it's a drive arlen but we'll 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 take care of that and all that hey like i said i'll drive to tennessee all right whatever it takes arlen free free (laughs) (laughs) free custom guitar right yeah i mean us us mennonites uh, there's okay so so you're okay with the Mennonite joke, right? As long as you make it. I, I can't. I'm not <laughs> no, a Mennonite. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't make I, the I joke, but you can because you are one. Yes. So so they just discovered what, how the uh, the Grand Canyon was formed, right? So th- they say that legend has it, a, a Mennonite dropped a quarter down a gopher hole. Oh, <laughs> oh gee, So like, what I, I say that all to say that like... Dude, like driving to Nashville for a free guitar. Like, I'm on dude, it. <laughs> <laughs> the Mennonite made a Mennonite joke. <laughs> oh Lord, Arlen Glick, what, what a what a absolute treat to chat with you for the last hour. We've covered a lot of bases. Um, before we go, in those quiet moments before the start of a race, where do you go before that gun goes off? What's going on in Arlen Glick's noodle? Huh, before it goes off, usually I'm just like uh just like trying to wake up. I mean, there I don't have any ritual. Usually I'm trying not to think about what's happening and like saving those brain cells for later cuz like I'm going to find my head in a pinch sooner or later yep. and it's I would way rather it be later than sooner. So <laughs> Oh, go, oh, oh, and I forgot. It's a good thing we didn't hang up because Arlen uh, first of all, we got to hear your Cracker Barrel story when we stop recording. And, and second, we got to come back to the prisoner question. What is the biggest life lesson that you've learned serving prisoners in your ministry? Yeah, yeah. I think my, my mind goes, and that's why I wanted a minute to think about it, because there's so many meaningful stories. I mean, when you've been in prison for 20 years, like there's so many, but you want that one that just like pops in your head, just like when I was asked to, if I wanted to ask 
Mike a question. Yeah. Like this one question just came into my head. Like how many times did you take a dump, you know, during, during a hundred <laughs> Anyway. So, so like I was waiting for that moment, but like, yeah, I think, I think there's such a good life lesson because like I was, I was, you know, raised with parents that taught me what's right, what's wrong. And I, I think of, of my mom, she was counseling a, a lady in, in prison once. And she's like, you know, this is really nice. You bring your family in here and, and they, and they sing and they bless us. They said, um, my mom taught me how to steal. Yeah. You know, like imagine as a kid growing up and like your mom teaching you that this is how, this is how it works. Right. And, and also like, I mean, there are so many ladies in prison and they're there, you know, for whatever, but they'll tell you the story. Like, you know, my mom had uh, a drug addiction. Um, she was addicted to drugs. Mm. And so she sold me as a kid into prostitution. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like, these are real people. Um, they're not even people you hear about on the news. Okay. Mm. Like, they're not even out there. Yeah. Their stories aren't even out there. They're that gross. And yet, like, we have a chance to go and show them the love of Christ. And I think, like, that... Like, these are just a couple examples. Um, But at the end of the day, it is so important that we understand cause and effect and that our decisions are going to uh, we're we're responsible for our decisions. I think of another um, old order Amish guy that that uh, my brother met in the Pennsylvania prison system. Just this was just while I was over on the Madeira Island. He met this guy. He was an Amish like, guy in prison? He, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what he was there for. Um, but he said, you know what? I God asked me to be involved in prison ministry years ago. Mm-hmm. He said, I was actually signed up for the same program that you are doing here. It's called Light of Hope. Yeah. I was signed up for it. And I lied to my buddy and told him I couldn't come. After he had already signed up for the program, yeah. he, he, he said, I lied to my buddy and told him I couldn't come. And here he is a few years later in a few bad choices, and he's in prison, but oh. for the opposite reason. Yeah. So, like, and I, he was obviously given much better than what the other examples I gave you uh, as far as what he was taught in life, and mm-hmm. what he was given. But, like, there are two examples of like what, you know, someone ended up in prison and why did they, how did they end up there? You, you ask yourself, how in the world? Some of them, it makes a lot more sense than others. But at the end of the day, we're all responsible for our own choices. Mm-hmm. Beautiful stuff, Arlen. Indeed. Maybe we saved that for last. But I think one thing we have to do, you are by way, you know, I'm originally from Wisconsin. Jeff is originally from Nebraska, um, so we're very Midwest, and you are Midwest as well in Ohio, and so I'm hoping that you know how Midwest people all over the country, I have to move my seat back a little bit because we got to do this the right way. How do, you, how do you know in the Midwest that a party's over, or it's time to go, it's time for company to leave? Um, I, boy, see, I always thought I was maybe east coast and maybe that's why i don't know this i mean i've always heard when the clown goes home or what's the saying the party's over when the clown the party goes over the clown but people in the midwest and you probably notice this your mom probably does this like when it's time for the for company to leave she'll slap her hands on her thighs and go well and then she'll stand up and that's how you know it's because when the when the when the guest does time to go well and then stands up that's when you know it's time time to go so so should we all do a, a whelp together, a slap and a whelp together? So we t- yeah, let's do it. Are you ready? I will do it on the count of three. Okay, one, two, three. Well, well. 